0: Welcome to the Punk Rock and Beer Podcast.
1: Really quickly, before we get into this episode, I wanted to mention my Patreon. Patrons get all of the podcasts a week early. I do giveaways, I do some other stuff, but. Most importantly, if you want me to review your music or artwork or anything else, Patreon is the way to do that. Every month I do a call for submissions. All you need to do if you want me to review something is just post it in the comments of that post. Then I will review it live on Twitch for the hundreds of people that tune into every stream and post it on Patreon for everyone to check out. All you need to do is just join at the $10 and up level, stay tuned for that post, and you are good to go. So if that sounds cool to you and you want me to review your music, artwork, or anything else, hit the link in the show notes for this episode. And thank you very much to everyone who supports over on Patreon. Winston, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for making time for this. Thanks for having me. Well, so what uh, what, what are you guys up to right now?
2: We did our last rehearsal yesterday, and then we're flying over stateside on Saturday to uh, go on a cruise ship first uh ship rocked and then yeah our first time back doing some shows in north america which is uh it's been like four years
1: i know people are looking forward to that one
2: god it's weird four years that's insane it's so strange when you used to come in there like twice a year and then all of a sudden you don't get to go somewhere for that amount of time so yeah
1: and what's horrible is that 2019 was four years ago
2: i know man <laughs> Yeah, you're telling me that I've turned 40 this year. So yeah, time warp is real.
1: <laughs> I hear you. Well, for anybody who may not know about this, you guys did a piece on Australian TV a couple months ago where you guys went to counseling to kind of work through a bunch of issues that you guys were having that were seemed like it was kind of on the verge of breaking up the band. Like, oh, yeah. uh, you know, the the bassist wasn't a legal member of the band, and there was all this resentment between like you and Jeff and just everybody kind of being at each other's throats and uh I love that you guys did that because I am certain that that's going to help a lot of people specifically because like I don't think we really talk about in the scene these things like you know introspection and conflict resolution and being willing to take a look in the mirror and go hmm maybe I'm actually the asshole and maybe i need to change some things.
0: and mm-hmm.
1: you know, it it didn't make all of you guys look great. yeah. at at all times, but i love the fact that you guys were willing to show that because i think it's going to help a lot of, a lot of other people have that same kind of moment. so thank you for doing that.
2: oh man, like that's the only thing we were hoping to gain out of the entire situation. was exactly what you said. We we're like it's messy and it's shit but that's what life is and we were very aware of exactly what had led us to that point and the fact that we had known like many many bands in similar situations that hadn't taken hadn't been able to take the steps that we had for whatever reason be it like just stigma or the opportunity to to take those steps or time time management or anything like that and we figured, like, if we're gonna do it, let's let someone in to hopefully, I don't know, set an example. Like, setting, an, and it doesn't even have to be for people in bands either. Like, yeah, society yeah. in general, it's, it's not. It's vulnerability is not something that's encouraged. Like, it's just not. You you think the word vulnerable, and you think of the word weak, and there's nothing in society that's like, hey, weakness is a good thing to show. It's always just like toughen up, deal with it, and toughening up doesn't necessarily lead to I mean, anything productive. <laughs> it's, uh, like, it's uh, there's time and place to toughen up, but like, yeah, when it comes to like, the more we we find out about mental health, the more we we find out about how hum- humans function, especially in modern society. Like, there is a place for vulnerability and support, and it goes like support goes hand in hand with people being able to be given the chance to go, hey, I need it, I need support, I need to be able to open up because I can't do this by myself.
1: And there's so many songs like there's there's this message that you hear so many times in songs of like, you know, this is who I am. If you can't handle it, fuck you. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a place for that. But there's you don't hear anybody going, hey, maybe you need to chill and maybe you're actually the problem.
2: Yeah, man. Yeah, that's the thing. And it's a hard thing to look at yourself and honestly go, you know what, like, am I the best that I can be? (laughs) Like, am I am I am I doing my friends and my family justice by just? stubbornly maintaining like this is me, deal with it, love right. it or lose it, kind of thing. And um though they, they were the big moments for us when when the walls actually finally came down within the band because it like it built it had built up through just survival and common friendship in confined spaces over a long period of time, which just happens. Like familiarity to a degree just breeds like it breeds contempt. <laughs> but
1: the familiarity
2: of just not not really Discussing anything and not showing the vulnerability through a lot of things, like we didn't show the vulnerability with each other because we all needed to survive. And then over a long time, we just never understood each other's struggles. And then, yeah, it, it does get you to that place where you really do—you need to have a look yourself as well, and you need to have the guts to tell your friend, like, "Hey, you're not treating me right." And that happened to every person in the band. Like it would—it took time for people to be able to actually say you know what there's something i've needed to tell you for a while and also have that person go, that's not a bad thing to hear that there's there's something missing in our friendship there's something missing in our relationship that i need to provide you can't change it unless unless you are open to listening to it and it doesn't have to be like bad you don't have to feel bad about it you can just take it on board and yeah and make it part of your character and set it as a goal to like to change that for the better of yourself and your friends around you
1: yeah i'm really happy that you guys did that so really that was like one of the coolest things i've seen in a really really long time the whole time i was watching it i was like yes yes i love this i love this it made me so happy to see it
2: yeah thank you thank you i'm really i'm really i'm really happy that it's connected like i've been shocked at how much it's resonated like not just within like the music community, but just in general, like this, it's it was insane how many people just on the street in our town that I've never talked to before pulled me aside and said, "I I watched that. Thank you for doing that. Like, I want to show my son and daughter that, or I'm a teacher. I'm yeah, show this at school." And I'm like, "That's that's that's exactly it." Like, we it was very tough for us, but it if we were able to do that, then I think it can provide some betterment for yeah society and individuals going forward. So it's cool.
1: I think so. I have a lot of questions, but I'll just kind of go through them in, in random order here and you you can see what you think. So the thing that I've noticed about Parkway is that, and, and I've followed the band, maybe it's not, it's not the very beginning, but probably 2005 or something, so pretty close, close to is yeah. like the people who... I noticed this back then I was like, oh, the people who like this Parkway Drive band like really 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 love this band. Figure not that I like didn't like it but I was like what is it about I just didn't I didn't know why. And the thing that really made it click for me was after I watched the documentaries that you guys put out, especially like the first one. I was like, oh, it's because these guys just seem like really chill and likable like friendly fun people and and it seems like that's what make people really want to support the band and feel like they're friends with the band even if they've never met you um is that something you've heard a lot like did those documentaries really make that big of a difference
2: 100% man it was um i really think it has been the the ge- like the genuine nature of it like it's it sounds it sounds like a disingenuous thing to say of like we're just genuine regular people. Like what we do is insane, but it, it's always been the, the nature of who we are to, I, I, I don't know, there's, we can't really put anything on and the documentaries while they weren't necessarily aimed at, with the goal of saying, Hey, everyone check it out. We're just chill normal guys.
1: Yeah. Support our band. Cause we're regular guys. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But, but it definitely did just highlight that aspect of it. And it's never it's never left like it's the it's the I guess the thing that kind of got drilled in with the with the documentaries every time we make it and we've made it especially down to the last one just on the name is like has been that underdog scrappy every to who the band is and while we've grown to be what we've what we've become which is like so far beyond anything we've ever done the heart of what that is has always been very obvious and when it's built around something quite genuine which is just i mean pure human joy and connection yeah. at a very very base level everything that comes after it is a, is a triumph and it's a shared triumph because people do get to see it and go we got those guys there yeah like we were the ones that have been here like we, we've been invested and they know it and that's and that's just the kind of the truth of it like the fact that the dvds kind of and the, the movies and everything kind of amplified that or made it very obvious i think it wasn't an intended thing but it's something that we're very very aware of at this point and lucky for us like it's something that we enjoy doing like before we actually started in the band i was a like semi-professional like boogie boarder and ben was my uh, like our drummer was our filmer, so we'd go on. Um, surf trips and he'd film and we'd make surf movies and stuff like that so making making movies was always part of like our dna as as people and then when the band I
1: mean, that's like such a part of like surf culture skateboarding culture and stuff not so much music yeah
2: well the music tied in as well because like it's a, the that's how we got into punk and everything in the first place right. was just surf, like soundtracks
1: all those old pennywise videos and stuff
2: exactly and then it all ties in and just rolled over into the band when we were doing it and we filmed so much of our of our stuff that we're just like hey we've got all this footage let's just put out a dvd and we'll call it the first one the dvd because like that's just funny (laughs) so yeah it's it remains the same that's the thing so much of this band is just the core remains the same it's just like the roots are there and the, the tree has just grown and grown and grown and the branches have spread out to, to lands that we never thought we'd be in but um the roots still remain the same
1: yeah i mean it's amazing that you've been able to maintain that same kind of vibe and you know that you've come from i mean i i would hear people say oh i, I love that band because they played my shitty little town in spain yeah. to like 17 yeah. people in yeah. 2004 or something and yeah. i've loved them ever since and you've been able to maintain that kind of connection, even as now, you know, you're playing, you know, headlining Valken and shit, which is yeah. the biggest thing a band in a genre could possibly do. Yeah. I mean, it's,
2: it's strange. I don't like, it's, it's a new, it, to be honest, it's a, it's almost a challenge to maintain that when you get to that level, like the challenge continues to be, how do you translate what you, what has always made that band special to more people because you're left in this very interesting position where like you're playing a 10,000 cap arena and there's 10,000 people showing up and you want it to be as intimate as you can. But at the same point in time, it's an arena show and you want it to be an arena show, but you, you can't still... just
1: have big guys on stage in shorts <laughs> with their amps.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. And the other thing is like you could, or, or you could go and play 100, like hundred cap venue shows But you kind of can't do that because you can't fit the time in. And as soon as you start downgrading it, people start missing out on tickets and then you're making people miss out on tickets. So you're left in this like the whole time we've been like bouncing between the demand and the supply side of what what this band can provide. And then also what we want to do as artists in terms of like when someone puts you in an arena and you're there, you're like and you love creating things like. It's fucking fun to go, let's put on something wild. But at the same point in time, let's put on something wild where people still get the fact that we know what is happening. And when we're not up here just going, yo, we're rock stars now. (laughs) Don't talk to us. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It seems like some of your newer stuff is like tailor made for that European festival environment mm. with the kind of like you know the chanting kind of choruses yeah. and stuff did that happen organically or is it like something you did knowing that you'd be playing those shows in those environments or where did that come from it's
2: happened organically over time um it's there i'm gonna say it's weaponized to a
1: uh-huh. to a more
2: <laughs> precise degree in our songs more recently but so the the history of us with with chanting in general begins way way back on our second album horizons um up until that point we didn't really have choruses in our songs the only time people sung along to anything <laughs> right. was when all of the music stopped and there was some obnoxious like mosh call and people would scream the mosh call and then it break
1: the movie sample
2: that's it the movie sample me screaming a swear word and it being edgy right. or something like something we played in bristol uh on one of the horizons tours and we played the song idols and anchors and that starts with like Big lead riff from Jeff on guitar, and he starts playing this riff, and the whole crowd just starts whoing along with it. And we're like, what "The fuck is happening? This is like bro him." Like, but they're yeah. all just singing this thing, and they're singing the riff, and we're like, "This is mental." And then, like, somehow it ended up on MySpace or something because it was MySpace at the time. People caught on to the fact that, like, yo, you sing along to the guitar part, and it, <laughs> and it kind of caught fire. And then, so the next, the next album on Deep Blue, we were like, let's actually put like a Pennywise, whoa, <laughs> section in it. So we put that in Homeless for the Heartless and we got Brett Gerwitz to, to do it for the Bad Religion connection. <laughs> right. So, so there, like it kicked off and we we're like, we can still put our punk parts into these metalcore songs. That's fine. And it just evolved from there on. There's always been like, that's part of Parkway's DNA when we figured out that there's this other melodic element within the lead guitar that is kind of like integral to the DNA of this band. And over time we have pushed the lead guitar more and more into like a, a character role. Whereas like, I'm not, it's, it's almost a vocalist in itself and you learn where to, like where to put like the crowd, chanting and where you know someone's just going to go that's a lead line someone's just going to sing that anyway (laughs) (laughs) people love singing jeff's lead guitar parts so yeah and that's that's just kind of how it it came about and it's more about being self-aware of of how that fits into the band structure and how we want to actually use it because it's not something that's necessarily you like we know you can't force it you can't just stand there and go sing every guitar bit because that's just cool you want to like i enjoy people like feeling something and then having that reaction to it because i'll do the same thing like you know when you hear a good solo or something in a car and you start doing that yourself and start yeah. doing it with my fingers and stuff and you're like sweet it <laughs> happens just know when it's gonna happen
1: <laughs> it's interesting to me that you mention you know bad religion and pennywise and stuff because i know you guys always refer to yourselves as a metal band but i've mm. never really seen it that way
2: yeah what i mean we're just a to be honest, I just refer to us as a band. <laughs> and I refer to us as a metal band now because, like, it's easier. I mean, it's heavy metal. Like, yeah. It's just what, what whatever. I was like, that's the thing. It's been, it's been a very interesting one because, like, we, when we started as a band, we started off like as punk rock kids who played in like hardcore punk bands for like a year, year and a half. And then we started Parkway because it was a challenge. Like, we, we'd we never played metal before. So, we got a guitarist in Jeff who'd never been in a band before, who just loved Metallica and was a good guitarist. And we're like, let's start something that no one around is doing that is just challenging. And we'll see what that sounds like. At the time, like, man, MySpace was only just kicking off and there was no such thing as metalcore. There was like metallic right. core. <laughs> like, there's earth crisis and hate breed and poison the world just dropped like an absolute rager. And that was kind of it. So the idea of all these sub-genres and stuff like that, we're completely oblivious to it. We're just like, what are you? We're like, we're, we're a hardcore band. We're hardcore kids. That, that was it. And then over time, people were like, you're a metalcore band. No, there's post-metalcore. And that, like, <laughs> wasn't the new new metal and it's going to die soon and it's the worst thing in the world. Now we've got to defend it, defend metalcore. They're not even metalcore. Like, they're actually right. dead. And you're like, where's the band? Like, just yeah. five dudes playing music? Like, unless you're li- literally typing into Spotify these days as some genre of music to try and find us, it's much easier just to go, I will type in the name Parkway Drive and that's what it sounds like.
1: <laughs> well, I-, I only mention that. I'm like, uh, you know, genre names don't really matter. But um, I only mention that because to me, you know, you guys have always brought that like punk and hardcore kind of ethos and like vibe into the Wacken the scene. And I, I think that's what's really special. Oh, 100%. 100%.
2: And that is still in, like, that is part of the DNA that I've talked about. Like, in in the way we are, the way we present ourselves, our mindset, everything like that, we don't know anything different than the way that we have always grown up. And, the, and, and, the, and what we love, like, what we loved about and still do love about the, the music that we create is the accessibility, is the the fact of like, I don't know, what brought me to this music in the first place was the fact that I felt like it was something that I could do, like I wasn't a musician. I saw people on stage with integrity and ideas playing music that wasn't separated by a barrier or a costume or anything like that. It was just on a stage and you could grab a microphone and scream along because you cared about the lyrics that they they were singing. It was something that mattered just as much as anything else you saw on stage. And when you build it from that level up, it's, um, it yeah, like it, it just doesn't, it doesn't leave. And it's still, it's always, it's always part of it. That integrity is still, is still always there. Um, and it's just very, like I said, it's a really strong connection. It's a really, really strong connection. It hasn't left me. We've been doing this for 20 years. And that, that ethic right down to like the way we tour and design our shows and everything. Like, I mean, it's led to us going to therapy, like, but like we've taken the DIY nature of, of everything we learned as, as punk and hardcore kids to putting on arena shows to the point where we're like, we're in charge of designing an arena show, which people would generally pay someone millions of dollars to understand and create. And you're like DIY, man, I'm going to learn how to do that. <laughs> like, you've you got a touring rig, which is like seven semi trailers and three buses. And you've still got a member of the band, like organizing that shit and a 70 person crew that's got to set up in a Room that's like a football field. <laughs> it still comes down to a couple of members of the band. <laughs>
0: Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the US like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.
1: Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. Go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. When I was watching the news segment that I was talking about before, I was kind of wondering, like, as much as I admire that, you know, is that smart at this stage? Like, you know, you're a <laughs> manager. No, seriously, I mean, because it's yeah, it man, creates yeah. conflicts, you know, that your guitarist is the manager, the other guitarist is the producer, and that makes sense at a certain point, but not only is it stressful, but it creates certain conflicts too, because a manager is going to have to make decisions that may not be popular. Same with a producer. Have you guys thought about maybe handing those over to other people for those reasons?
2: Yeah, we did. We actually did. And that was part of like the conversations that we had running into this because that was exactly some of the issues like it brought up when you don't have good communication like i mean the manager thing was the first thing that brought up was just like you're a manager and like like why are we in this hellhole right now (laughs) when we have a manager supposed to be managing managing this um and it was something which we brought up and to be honest we like before we we got to the place which we are now which is like several months down this track of, of therapy and counseling and stuff we really did just place everything out on the table I and mean, we are like anything is up for grabs in terms of changing this around so we are happy because at the end of the day happiness is the first thing that like i'd, I'd rather have my friends than have the band so how are we going to work this out um and we did get to a point where we were like we do like that aspect of this band we do trust the members of the band to do these things but we need to be able to tell each other that we trust each other we need to have like I I have I I think that Luke is a really really good manager and I think Jeff is an absolute guru in the in the studio and it goes for every other member of the band I think their roles are actually fulfilled really well it was more the fact that we like held stuff in and held like Held those roles so individually that we never provided support for each other. And when you don't provide support, you don't ask for support. You end up just resenting each other because you're holding those things by yourself. So as much as like we have a manager and we have a producer and we have all of these different things going on with the band, we still do share that information with each other. And we still all make the make the calls and kick in all over the place. It's a it's a communal. Like it's a community that's what it is it's a communal thing and that goes down for to de- designing the shows as well like there's no there there where there was room for resentment previously that is the communication simply provided an avenue to to air that before it even becomes a conflict and as soon as you strip the ego down and you realize that everyone wants the same thing but everyone's got different different perspectives like that's kind of where the value is added rather than I guess something being stripped away it's just us realizing we're way stronger together we're way better together than we are pulled apart and i think an outside like we've tried outside voices coming in but to be honest it's uh we we like we like our little echo chamber to a degree (laughs) i
1: mean it's worked for you this far
2: yeah that's that that is the thing and we do have many trusted sounding boards within our outside team like our booking agents and our friends and our managers and all of that kind of stuff. Like they all have helped so much over the, over the years. We know who we trust in terms of like honest opinion.
1: I mean, like, especially with producers, the list of bands who have fucked things up by saying like, Oh, we wanted to get an outside opinion and Mm. rah, rah. And then they make some horrible album that nobody likes. (laughs) And in (laughs) hindsight, they're like, man, that, I don't know what the fuck we were thinking. That's a long list of bands.
2: Yeah, it is. And like Jeff, Jeff handles our pre-production and like, the majority of the writing process but the actual recording and production side of things on the last three levels is handed handled by uh our friend george Hutchie christo and his brother dean who's his engineer and george is actually our front of house
1: sound guy oh, so, okay. he knows so he knows it, you guys super well
2: super well and he has been with us for god 15 plus years now so that guy's so he seen... knows
1: like yeah i think you could have played that a little bit better i've, I've heard you play was, that yeah. better
2: he knows what what can what he knows us as people. Like he's slept in the same stinky buses, been through the same chaos, like the same trials and tribulations. He's seen more Parkway gigs than anyone. He knows. Like he is central to the energy that is is resonating out from the stage. He knows exactly what the crowd is feeling. He knows how the band translates. He knows exactly like the ins and outs of our personality and he he like he knows the sounds that we want to capture as well so right. every time like that we we've come to record over the last three albums like it's we we end up going back to him just because he gets us like he really gets us and and we we know who we are like it's um it's not to say we don't ever want to work with someone else but that just shows the degree of um i th- i think understanding of a band's character that is that really brings out it it helps establish the boundaries and also helps push where you need to push because those are the two things like understanding when it's not part of the character or or could never be part of the character. So it won't work, but also knowing when you're like, yo, you could do better. You have, there's something in you which hasn't been captured yet. I felt that little spark emerge on that one show when you did that, that little thing to explore that, go further with that. So yeah, it's a, it's an interesting, an interesting combination there. Cause I don't know, how many other bands that exist for is like, yo, you're in front of house guys. Also the dude behind the desk in the studio.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm a big believer in bands sticking with the people that got them there. Um, It's not always the right answer, but it's like, you see this so often where bands are like, clearly want to like get to the next level of like commercial success. And so they bring in some producer that worked with some bigger band but doesn't get the band. Yeah. Like how many times does that work out? Like one out of 50? Yeah, I know. You
2: yeah. know? <laughs> 100% man. We we're, we're very aware of that as well. And and I think it also comes back to the 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 character side of things, which is where this whole conversation started. Like it's actually the thing which has made us not change the entire time. This goes through through everything all the way down to our crew like the majority of our crew have been there since the first day that they worked with us and that's the connection of like of character of under of understanding who the people are that you are working with and understanding like the goal and the 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 ethos behind the entire operation and as soon as you like as soon as you bring someone else in like you kind of have to explain that again and that's right. that's a lot of like that's a lot of
1: lost time like when you sit down and there's and sometimes they'll question it and they don't believe in it yeah like, yeah yeah you know yeah well, i know that's how you guys used to do things we're doing things this way now and they're like yeah eh. and,
2: and I, th- i think there's plenty of potential to work with other people to try and do that but at the same point in time like we kind of hadn't we've never had that opportunity up until this point even to to contemplate it because a we've loved the path that we've been on and b it's like the pressures of time up until COVID were such a big impact on this band like you want to be doing things for the shortest amount of time possible because you're part of the grind machine and oh, you're yeah. on tour to provide a living and if you feel like if you're off tour you will be supplanted by someone else Yeah, and people will forget about you and to stay on tour you need to go into the studio to record something new to get back on tour so it's been it was this non-stop rinse and repeat cycle which got shorter and shorter and shorter with like attention spans and everything like that like every band was like it was it was a full-on meat grinder and then COVID kind of stopped that entire thing so um, it's a different world now to to be in and as well like we've achieved so much that it might be something where we're like you know what we want to do something just to challenge our identity and ourselves going forwards in the way we do things but at the same point in time, we know what we love doing. Like there's a there's also a reason we don't change because we're enjoying ourselves.
1: You have changed a lot though.
2: Oh, hundred percent. hundred percent. I'm just like the, the theory of how we do things, like
1: right, right. I see. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think that's one of the coolest things about the band is obviously there's a lot of fans that would prefer that you play, you know, Horizons so you make another oh, one yeah, album yeah, like that, you know. <laughs> yeah. But you know, to me that's punk is like, no, we're not going to make that again. We're going (laughs) to do what we want to do. And if you don't get it, that's okay. But, and I know that you guys, you know, have a lot of love and respect for your fans. How do you kind of manage that, you know, the fan expectations with also doing something that you want to do? And like, how do you manage that? It's an interesting one.
2: I mean, it, it all comes down to a relationship with art in general and a perception of what that actually is. For me, like I completely understand someone who is like, I love the old stuff, I don't like the new stuff, or I love the new stuff, I don't like the old stuff. You connect with your first connection with this band or with any art form whatsoever will be most probably the strongest connection because that will have the biggest emotional original reaction. You've gone from being oblivious to something existing to like, Bam, that's had such a big impact that it's now not going to leave your life. Everything you get after that is going to be an offshoot of that original big explosion because that's the way it happens for me. Mm-hmm. The thing with it is, is like we we have always wanted to, like this band was always an experiment in just doing something that was a challenge. And that means constant change. And the change happens in different sized steps because it relies on your progress as a musician and as a person. <laughs> and the thing for us has always been like if someone really loves the old stuff, I have a map, like I have just as much respect for that as someone who just likes the new stuff or someone that likes everything. But at the same point in time, I'm like, we, when I'm, I'm not going to resign my, my life and my experience to just trying to replicate success or, or, necess- or tap into nostalgia the journey right. of this band is one of it's one of five individuals trying to create something that's genuine. And genuineness honestly comes down to the the way that we write and create our music because we know that that nature is what resonates out. When we first started this band, we didn't expect people to like it. We we wanted to have something that our 10 friends would moss to in the garage. <laughs> that was kind of it. The rest of it was us trying to play something which we enjoyed playing, which we enjoyed listening to and which we enjoyed writing. And those are the three things which have maintained the co- – like that is the only bar we have when we go into the studio. If it ticks all of those boxes, then that's Parkway Drive. That's it. And we have the – like basically we sit back and we're like, we like this. This is the way we've done it from day one is tick those boxes. And if that's okay and that passes the test – we'll put it out into the world because it still passes the same test that it originally did. There was no recipe for success in the first place. And there's never going to be a recipe going forward. And that includes looking back and trying to recapture or redo something, which, which meant something to someone in a massive way and may still do, but you kind of, that that's kind of it. And we're very honest with the fans of like, like this is, this is who we are. Like, I'm that's cool. If you're like, if you're just like the new stuff fucking sucks. I'm like, man, yeah. right. I think, about yeah, plenty of other uh, plenty of other bands as well. That's that's sweet, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to go back and try and create some weird pastiche of something that I did when I was in my early twenties. And now I like I've grown as a person through experiences to a to another place.
1: <laughs> yeah, it would be kind of weird if you were forty years old you Know, still impersonating the 21 year old version of yourself.
2: That's that's 100% it, and it's 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 interesting because I go back and I listen to old songs, and some songs still resonate really, really deeply with me. And some songs I'm like, I don't feel anything when I listen to this, I don't feel anything. I see images and I feel a time past, but I don't, it does not resonate with the person who I am now, which is uh. I mean, that's kind of to be expected, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a good been, thing. I would I would hope that I've had enough personal growth and that the 20 years of my life has um has pushed me to a place where I have um it, it's been filled up, like my my soul has been filled up to a point where that one spark is no longer the one spark which is filling my existence. There's a billion other sparks which have like are shining alongside it now. So yeah.
1: Right. You mentioned the touring kind of meat grinder before, and that is one thing about Parkway Drive is you've been touring your fucking balls off for like literally 20 years straight, pretty much, aside from the COVID break. So whatever, call it 15 years, just non-fucking-stop. And a lot of those were there. I mean, I'm sure you guys are doing great on tour now, but those the probably the first, what, 10 years or something like that were probably pretty rough oh yeah yeah
2: yeah and uh, at least that until man it was the first yeah it would have been at least the first the first 10 years until
1: that's a long fucking time to be eating shit and sleeping on a fucking rock <laughs> you know it's a long time as adults when you're like 28 years old
2: 100 dude 100 and i mean that's yeah <laughs> it's 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 who we are like and it's also like it's something that we never took stock of like it was just i'm not going to say it was forced upon us but it was forced upon us to the degree of um of where we've come from and also in being being very self-aware of like of our place within the music scene like it's a, it's something which i think people don't outside of the music industry don't really understand or don't necessarily uh take into account um like if you're not a touring band Every, every, like, moment that you spend away touring is time that is taken away from a career. And, like, you, it's, it, it, there came a point, like, the first time we chose to go overseas as, as a band and tour, we all had to quit our jobs because no one is going to say, yeah, take, take five months off to go and <laughs> do your fun little band thing. Your job will be waiting for you when you come back. They're like, you're fucking replaceable we have our own thing going you're replaceable so at that point in time like you're like okay you're gonna either resign yourself to working a job which will give you these times off which is fucking bottom of the rung you're not going anywhere there's no chance to progress in your life or you're gonna have to try and make this a career music is now your career and to make it a career has become harder and harder and harder not not just in terms of like to get funds coming in but the grind uh, on a person and yeah. the longer you spend chasing that career to finally get it to the point where you're like i know that this is not going to fall apart if if we miss our tour if we're not going to get crucified for missing a tour and literally get cancelled and you can never tour again took until until just before covid for us and at that point in time you're talking 17 years out of the working like we have no higher education. We can't slot back into the workforce. I have no fucking skills. If we're going back to like working a job, it's like, welcome back to packing shelves at the supermarket. Right, right. <laughs> that's it. it and, and that's what every band on the touring circuit is currently doing. That's what I don't think people quite get is like, it's not just like, hey, like even when COVID hit, I had some of my best friends be like, hey, be happy, man. Like you got to go on tour. And I'm like, great. But right now I'm shitting myself because I have no employment, and you're still working. But I can't do right. fucking anything. And if I'm gonna try and get a job, it's it's not going to provide for my family at this point in time. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a job with like some sixteen year olds. <laughs> that, just, that does not. Happen.
1: Right, and you know you guys do well at this point, but it's not like you're Metallica where you know you could just fuck off for the rest of your lives and not worry about it.
2: Well, the reality of what it is, is like, unless you were around before Spotify was invented and you had a shit ton of royalties coming in, your streams of revenue rely on you being on the road. It's minimum like 70, 30 split kind of thing. (laughs) That's the thing. And, And, and I'm happy to say that we are in a very, very good position, but that also has taken, like I said, 17 years, like it's 20 years of being a band now, but 17 years of hard work, like, no band within the the punk rock i'm just going to say the alternative music genre is cracking that code being a genuine alternative band like no one has done that for in in, like the the immediate sense of a couple of years since like new metal no one Mm -hmm. has done that like like you look at rock metal punk anything alternative that has not been mainstreamed to the point of like someone blowing up and going like, you know what, I'm dropping my debut album and then next month, like we're going on our second tour ever and it's going to be arenas. No one has done that since like Limp Biscuit and fucking...
1: <laughs> fuck. Maybe like Paramore or My Chemical Romance or something, maybe. That's it, My Chemical But, but, like but Kimmel whatever, Romance. that's still oh, almost,
2: been, almost, almost 20 years like ago. It's, that, Exactly. And it hasn't happened to bands of this genre. But at the same point in time, like you have, you no longer have uh, a revenue sh- stream that's passive, which is people just like music is disposable now. Yep. It, it really is. Or it's disposable to a lesser extent. And the lack of disposability is not going, like when people are subscribing to something, that money is not going to a record label or a band. It's going to a corporation.
1: Well, knowing how hard touring has been on your mental health and probably your physical, physical health, and you have kids and stuff and whatnot, would you have done anything differently in hindsight? Yeah, that's
2: the big one, huh?
1: I don't know that you could have.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think the, the thing that I would have done is I would have talked to my friends more, and I would have been more honest. And I would have like, it's such a hard thing, because I think we're making breakthroughs with mental health right now, which are so great. But it's been pushed so much more into mainstream culture in a way that it just wasn't there when we were when we were growing up as a band. And that is, that is the main thing. The hard, like, I, I really can't sit in the position that I'm in now and go on and say, I would take, like, a brick out of that Jenga pile of success that right. we have. Because there's a very good chance that if we hadn't have slept on the floor, that we wouldn't have had enough money to go on the next tour. And that wouldn't have got us into the position to do this other thing, to do this other thing. Like, yep. it is this gigantic, like, Everything has counted within this band. But even within that, like, that doesn't mean that I couldn't have been there in a better way and couldn't have developed better as a human to provide more support for my band members. And I know that goes for them as well. And we could have been, like, we could have been happier and we could have been more supported within our, like, within the band's existence going through it. But man, that's just life as well. Like, it's very hindsight is one of those things, like, it, it took, like, the like actually realizing like pressure's a thing like we, we were we were frogs sitting in like a pot that was being brought to the boil we didn't know it at the time until we were fucking boiling <laughs> and that's the thing and and you really don't expect that because to be honest like we, we never expected success like we really didn't we play every show like it's our last show
1: i mean the idea of a metalcore band from Australia getting as big as you guys have is insane it's like impossible insane and there's been like we have said it
2: from 100 cap rooms to 300 cap rooms to thousand to 2000 to arenas where we're like we're about to go on stage and we're like Jesus Christ uh all right everyone's it in because this is the biggest this band is ever gonna get because it's impossible to do anymore like no one else has. No one in our country had done what we've done before. And then you overseas and they're like, we've never heard of a band from Australia before, let alone doing what you're doing, let alone it becoming, you're like, you're constantly smashing through these glass ceilings and you're aware of it. You don't expect success. So you just expect it to fail. You expect, like we expected like the rug to get pulled out. All of a sudden to to, speak, to, to like to the bubble to pop, and you to go back to zero um
1: and i feel we, that way literally every day of my life yeah man
2: but it's big time imposter syndrome as well it took us a long time to reach, uh, to really like step into it and go you know what like why? there's a reason we're here like there's a reason that it keeps growing and it's because what we do is valued and we're good at doing what we do so so fucking own it. <laughs> like own it. We spent 10 years doing interviews with people asking like the like that first question that you asked of like, what do you think that there's that 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 resonation with people, the genuine nature of this band, like being responsible for something that that has made this growth? Like we denied that for 10 years. When people are like, what is what makes Parkway special? We're like, we don't know. We're we're idiots and we don't know how to play our instruments. Like that was it. We would literally just like we would shut ourselves down out of fear that someone would like would would pick up on the imposters in the room. <laughs> would pick up on the fact that like actually no, you've been you've been doing your instrument for ten years, and there's something real here. Like just acknowledge it. <laughs> yeah, strange one.
1: Well, last question I have. Have you seen the show Byron Bay's? I haven't watched it, no. <laughs> so I, have... I only know of the town Byron Bay because of you guys. And I saw it on Netflix. Please tell me it's from this, from that show. No, no. I know of the town because of you guys. Okay. And then I saw the show on Netflix and I was like, okay, we got to watch this. So my wife and I watched it. Byron Bay seems like a pretty nice place these days, but I get the sense that when you guys were coming up, uh, it seems like a lot of like rich hippies and stuff now, but it seems like when you guys were coming up, it was a lot less cool. I got to
2: tell you, it, it's been the wildest adventure living in this town um, because it like, but the fact that a reality show got made about it was kind of the pinnacle of like, holy crap, this is what our home has turned into. Right. <laughs> that that COVID time, like when that was made, really just was like the transformation of like. Of a of a town which we grew up in, which is stunning. Like this this town is beautiful. the 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 landscape around it and the community is is absolutely amazing. And like, there's a reason we haven't left because it's fucking amazing. I I understand why someone makes a show about. It.
1: Doesn't seem like there's a lot of better places you could be, dude. I've I've been all over the world and I can come back. <laughs>
2: <in>. <laughs> but like, but for, like, for the reality of like where we grew up is like yeah the 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 surrounds are stunning but when we grew up here like it was um it was a rural town originally which had like a whaling station and cattle which then turned into an escape because there's really good surf for a bunch of hippies and a bunch of people who wanted to do nothing so the generation before us and then our like our parents generation to a degree were like escaping like they they came to this place to escape modern city culture and they were just like hippies like neo-hippies kind of things and the town had nothing it had like it had nothing like genuinely just nothing other than like a kind of sense of lawlessness there was like dirt streets in 50 percent of the towns just like old fibro shacks and the highest unemployment rate in our country and we only had a high school here since like the mid-90s and that's that's the town which we grew up in there was like 5,000 people in the entire shire, which is three different towns. Like Byron itself was only actually like 3,000 people. And we've gone from growing up in that with this mentality of like, you're never going anywhere. If you want to stay living here, you all you can do, the best you can do is work at the pizza shop or you can wash up dishes or you can work at the dive shop and drive a boat and that's it. And then all of a sudden, like Byron – like. Instagram happened and people realized how beautiful it was. And then COVID happened and all of our cities got locked down and anyone with millions upon millions of dollars saw our town and was like, hey, they're not locked down. I'm just going to go live there. And boom, like it became like millionaires and billionaires paradise over the, the, the course of like three years. Three years, it went from like kind of semi under the radar to... All of a sudden, there's a reality TV show. About it. Wow. That's wild. Half of Hollywood was living here during COVID, like two houses up from us. And we're just like, what <laughs> the hell just happened, man? What the hell? So yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a trip, dude. It's a real trip because like that also like what this town was contributed to that do or die like mentality because we were like, when we got a chance to get out of this town and try and make a career other than like, our careers before this was I was making coffee at a burger bar. Jeff was working at the video store. Ben was working at the pizza restaurant. Jaya was still in high school. And Luke was watering wheatgrass for the for the local juice <laughs> the juice bar. And that was it. Like we'd reached the pinnacle of Byron Bay careers. And then all of a sudden we're like, "Or oh, you could try and be a band and you could go overseas and you can try and do something where like, Let's roll the dice on that one.
1: (laughs) Right on. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. And I find all your success really inspiring, really happy for you guys. And I will continue to be a supporter. Good chat. Cheers, man. Thank you so much. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob Podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.